Today is the sixth Sunday after Pentecost. In today's Mass, we commemorate St. Praxedes, who was a virgin. Also, we have what we call the suffrage of the saints. We commemorate that prayer for all the saints of the Church. Uh, and also, uh, preface the preface of the Blessed Trinity. The epistle appointed for today's Mass is taken the epistle of St. Paul to the Romans, chapter 6, verses 3 through 11. Brethren, all we who are baptized in Christ Jesus are baptized in his death. For we are buried together with him by baptism unto death. That as Christ is risen from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we also may walk in newness of life. For we have been planted together in his likeness of his death. We shall also be in likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin may be destroyed, and that we may serve sin no longer. For he that is dead is justified from sin. Now, if ye be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall live also together with Christ. Knowing that Christ riseth again from the dead, dieth now no more. Death shall no more have dominion over him. For in that he died to sin, he died once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. So do you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Gospel appointed for today's Mass. Take the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. At that time, when there was a great multitude with Jesus and had nothing to eat, calling his disciples together, he saith to them, I have compassion on the multitude, for behold, they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I shall send them away fasting in their home, they will faint in the way. For some of them came from afar off. And his disciples answered him, From hence can anyone fill them with here with bread in the wilderness? And he asked them, How many loaves have ye? Who said, Seven. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground, and taking the seven loaves, giving thanks, he broke and gave it to his disciples to be set before the people. And they had a few little fishes, and he blessed them, and commanded them to be set before them. And they did eat and were filled. And they took up that which was left of the fragment, seven baskets, and they that had eaten were about four thousand, and he sent them away. Thus far the words of today's Holy Gospel. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin may be destroyed, that we may serve sin no longer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I've read in books that there is some gentleman by the name of Cicero who lived 2,000 years ago, Plato, uh, and others. We've all read these, about these people. But if we wanted to, if we wanted to be the devil's ad- advocate, we can ask the question, how do we know they even existed? How do we know they existed? History says so, and it's almost part of our tradition. I guess we can say it's tradition that we do this. We can find those who would say that, well, he wrote this or who he wrote that. Or that someone wrote it, but they was trying to write fake news or whatever the, question, the point might be. But we do know that these things, these people actually existed, even as our Lord himself existed. There may be those, and there are those, who would try to relegate our Lord down to just a, a historical person. A person no different than you or I being neither God uh, nor the devil, but being just a mere man, that he lived and that his disciples 
concocted and wrote up the things they wrote about our Lord, whatever they wrote. Well, that is not something necessarily new. It's you know new in a sense. It's, a, it's referred to as modernism, where they would try to get rid of the supernatural and they would not want to acknowledge anything uh, that is beyond their comprehension, uh, something above their nature. However, a few weeks ago I gave a sermon on that very point about something being supernatural or, as I've made the expression, subnatural, under our nature. Uh, the animals are subnatural, they're under our nature. But all of this is to be said that when our Lord, in today's gospel, fed the 4,000, and I think it's St. Matthew records more or less the same, the same instance where this happened, there's no one could deny that this really happened, nor that could no more than we could deny that uh, there was a miracle of the sun at Fatima a hundred years ago, or that we could deny that Cicero or Plato or how many other figures in history actually exist, or we could even go to uh, our, and read about where um, Clyde Barrow of Bonnie and Clyde wrote a letter to Henry Ford. Say, and praising Henry Ford for this new, uh, new car with his V8 engine that he, it was a fast car and he recommended it for everybody, whatever he wrote. No one's seen him write that letter. No one's seen him mail that letter. Yet we have something and we say he wrote it. Well, there are those who would testify by the internal evidence of that letter, that which was written itself, that truly Clyde Barrow wrote the letter. Just as there are those who would testify that just in the very scripture and the gospel itself, that which our Lord said and did truly really happened. All of that is to say that when our Lord established his church, founded his church, gave us a doctrine to believe, and set up a moral system, for example, he talked about marriage, the permanency of marriage, there are those who would say, well, well, it's just a tough, a hard thing. How can I do this or how can I do that? How can I expect it to be lived this way or to live that way? How can I expect to do all the things that Christ or his church or his priests tell us that I must do? We go back to the gospel and we see our Lord in today's gospel, we see him multiplying the loaves and the fishes. That just wasn't something where Caesar or, or Pilate or whomever could have a little fun like a, a jester juggling balls or magician uh, pulling up a different card out of a deck of cards than you thought it was. He was doing it for a purpose. His purpose was that he wanted to prove that he was truly supernatural, that he was someone above our nature, that he was in fact not just supernatural, he was God. And you will find, likewise, various numerous examples where he proved, Christ proved that he was God. Such that when he would tell the people they must believe this doctrine, this particular thing, they should believe it because he was God. And all that very connotation of who God is and what he is. And so when our Lord told them they must eat of his body and drink of his blood, we could just see them shaking their head, saying, this is a hard saying. They're not cannibals. They're not going to eat someone's flesh and blood, drink their blood and eat their flesh. They, the whole 
con- the whole idea of a miracle just went over, went right past their head, went right past them, and they didn't understand what the purpose that was. The purpose was that they might understand that when God tells them this or tells them that, they can believe it. It's something beyond their comprehension. It was. How can we eat the body and blood of Christ? All these 4,000 people, let's say. How could, just the, the numbers, how can we do that? Besides the fact, the thought it would be cannibalism. They missed the point of the miracles. The fact that if God wanted us to do this, then he has a way which can be done. That can apply to a lot of things. It can apply to all the morals of the church. Someone may, for example, say, well, how can I stop from stealing? I just, or a kleptomania. How can I help from lighting fires? A pyromaniac. How, I just can't tell the truth. I've got to always embellish the truth and really it becomes a lie. I, this is me. I, I can't help it. I can't help what I do. And yet, we do know that when Christ came down, he established a church, and that through, through his church, he gave us channels, means by which we may save our soul, means in which we may overcome our weakness, whatever it may be. Maybe we have a tendency toward gossip. Maybe we have a tendency towards uh, immorality of one kind or another. Maybe it's a lying. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's revenge, uh, holding a grudge, uh, whatever it might be. God gave each and every one of us that's those the seven sacraments, not that we need all of them, but he, but through these seven sacraments, or even one or two of them, baptism, penance, well, let's say, that we would there have the means to conquer our weakness, our disbelief, if you will, our fault, our sins, the perpetual, habitual sins that we commit. The grace is there if we use them. For someone to say that there, that's, that's impossible, that's, to use scripture, that's a hard saying. When, when, our, when those people were saying that when our Lord announced that they were to eat his, they had to eat his body and his blood, he didn't try justifying it in any way. In fact, all he did is repeat himself. He says, unless you eat of my body and, or eat of, or drink of my blood, you'll not have life in you. Is, there was no two ways about it. There was no excuse. And for someone, to, for someone to say that, well, that is a hard saying. I can't do that. Literally, it's almost as if they're denying the divinity of Christ. If you think that's hard, if those people at that time thought it's hard, how hard do you think it would be for God to make the world, to make a living human being, to make some piece of wood or piece of iron that's inanimate, has no life, and yet we see molecules, if we look under a microscope, a strong enough microscope, moving around as if it were alive. Now that sounds impossible. And yet with God, nothing's impossible. If there be any weakness, if there be any fault, if there be any disbelief, it's not on the part of God. It's on the part of us. And maybe... Maybe we should be like St. Peter, or maybe we should be like uh, St. Thomas uh, the Apostle, or how many other examples we could give where literally they could say, please make my faith strong. I'm a sinful man, O Lord. 
All the things that we could do, we could say, if we have the faith. If we have faith, not only could we move mountains, we could let a plant grow in salt water, have a rose grow in salt water in the sea, or whatever example we might want to give. But today, in this day and age, disbelief runs rampant. It isn't that someone's coming along and saying, you must not believe in transubstantiation. It's just that the whole world has become modernist. That they want to explain away the supernatural, literally give themselves an excuse why they can lie, steal, and cheat. Or disbelieve whatever doctrine they want to disbelieve. Or whatever practice they want to perform and fall into, have, whatever it might be. It's because they don't have the faith. And so we should be like St. Thomas when we find ourselves falling into disbelief. We should be like St. Thomas the Apostle. When St. Thomas the Apostle, when our Lord appeared to St. Thomas and the other disciples before the resurrection, or before the ascension, St. Thomas, presumably by the pictures, we see where he actually put his hand into, his side of our, into the side of our Lord, put his fingers into the print of the nails, on the hands and the feet. And we just see St. Thomas falling down and making his profession of faith, my Lord and my God. May God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.